Hello and welcome to Shrink, the podcast for the mind. I'm Philippe Taron and I talk to the people who want to have a better understanding of their issues with weight and body image. So today I'm having a chat with Justina, who's um, doing a um, master in psychology. Hello, Justina. Hello. Hi. Hi. We thought it was a good thing to share our, uh, both our stories, in fact, in um, dealing with our um, issues with our body image, our weight. Um, what do you think? Do you think I, that's a nice way to uh, kind of summarize it? Or Yes, I think we both have a good share of experiences in this topic. And hopefully someone can listen and relate and feel a little bit less lonely in their struggles. I think yeah. it's important to talk about it because yeah. it's a very isolating place. It is very isolating. I know that uh, I know it from my work experience. I know it from myself, or and you. So, so do you? That when you're dealing with, well, with many, I guess, with many uh, psychological issues, but m more specifically, maybe with addictions or with, uh, um, in this case, eating disorders. Even if you have your family around you, if, even if you have good friends. Uh, They cannot really help you, even yeah. if they want to. Did you did you notice that? Absolutely. I think it's also something that this uh, disorder, illness, does to you. It it makes you feel very alone, and it makes you feel like um, you can't really go to people with this. It's on purpose, um, keeping you very much in your head, and it's the element I think that drove me very insane. Is also connected with an imposter syndrome maybe the the illness loves to tell you you're not ill enough so you don't even you're not really, ill enough yeah you're what not do you mean by enough. that uh, so so you don't know whether to reach out or not i think um what do i mean by that um i think it's a common experience uh i know between some women i spoke about it mm -hmm. too is yeah the question when am i sick enough to reach out for help oh i see yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, and um, I think family in this uh, element is also something you want to keep quite far from from the disorder because you at the same time want help you want to stop feeling the way you're feeling mm -hmm. but at the same time you don't want uh, to stop it's a, it's a very addicting mechanism and Uh, I definitely kept it uh, quite uh, under the blankets. Is yeah. that a phrase? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> under, the under the sheets? No. Under, under the, ra the radar? Or I don't yes. know. Yeah. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's very rooted in shame. Yeah. And it's very difficult to, to speak about it, especially to loved ones. Yeah, and because they don't understand, in fact. Yeah. And even if, they, you know, even if they're really smart and even if they really love you, they just... Uh, so I hear it from clients or friends, and you've probably heard that, is that people tell you, but you look great, come on, why do you worry about uh, uh, losing a kilo or putting on a kilo? Uh, you're great as you are, it doesn't matter, who cares? And, and you can hear that, but you cannot really make sense of it yeah. when, when you're dealing with these disorders. Yeah. It's like, okay, yes, I know, I hear what you say, but that's deep inside me that's not how that's not how i feel I, i think if you've never experienced those type of psychological mechanisms mm. it's incredibly hard to understand people will say just eat 
but once you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. It's it's something that is, I think, incredibly specific. Uh, the, the nature of the thought patterns you have, uh, and they are quite absurd, uh, which uh, also creates this further idea of shame because. You feel ridiculous telling people, oh, I'm struggling with eating. And they say, what do you mean? Just eat, yeah. right? It, it yeah, seems yeah. like um, I always had this uh, idea, maybe it's coming from I'm Polish and um, maybe it's a post-communist mentality, but I felt like it was such a first world problem. I was like, oh, little princess can't eat. Like, mm. you know, and yeah, my yeah. parents grew up with uh, free jams and like one loaf of bread. Um, and it definitely adds another layer to it. It's like, what is this issue? Like, why can I just eat? Um, there are people around. That, I hate this argument. There are people that don't have food. Like, no, I know, but we starving. hear it. We hate. Yeah. It. Yeah, we hear uh, it. Yeah. So, so it can. You can feel. You can get a sense of being patronized by people as well mm. when you speak up about it. That's why I think it's very important to have a support network of people who understand it. And therefore, very often, it's not your family. No, it's either a therapy or a support group. In fact, we have to... We have, we, we, we have an announcement. We, we have an announcement. It's something we're working on. We'd like to... Uh, not we would like. We're working on, uh, on creating or starting a support group First, we will do it in uh, in West London, and that will be a group that anyone can attend. Anyone that has uh, issues or questions with body yes. image, it's a it's gonna be a non judgmental, anonymous group uh, where you can feel like you're surrounded by people who understand, uh, and it's an open space for you to speak about your struggles and. Maybe find someone that shares similar issues. Yeah, I think it's it's a good thing when, I, well, that's how. It's, so it's not a therapy group in any way. Yes. It will be free and people will. It will be uh, uh, once a week, uh, yes. probably for an hour and a half, and uh, you can join these groups and not say anything. It's anonymous, really, and uh, it's up. It's up to you. So we're working on this. We're very excited about that because we've both seen and feel felt felt mm -hmm. how, how lonely this process can be some people cannot afford to uh, to see a therapist because it's quite expensive yeah. and um, and I think that by hearing the stories of others it makes us feel like oh, I'm not alone dealing with yeah. this even we know it cognitively we know we know some other people are doing it but then you can see other people you know sharing their their struggle or, yeah. and, and their success as well. It's not only a struggle, exactly. it's success. Exactly, motivating. Yeah, it's uh, motivating. I think, uh, like we just said, uh, it's, uh, I think, very important to have people uh, who understand it and you can speak to. Uh, because that's, I think, what um, deconstructs this disorder. Because the disorder very much is based on that idea of shame. That's what it feeds on, is you not speaking to people, you keeping it all inside your head and perpetuating those horrible um, patterns, behaviors, thoughts. Mm. And the more you speak about it, hopefully the more you can rationalize, rationalize those thoughts. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that's our goal for this. And we just, uh, we both experienced a lot of loneliness in this. And I know I hoped, uh, I wish when I was 
uh, struggling the most. I had a group like this. When so was that? When, when how old were you when you were really uh, struggling with that? I think. When did it start? Or? So it started. I would say I started having any sort of issues with my physical self at the age of fifteen, uh, but that was very much body image. Uh, I. I did not, uh, I wouldn't say I had an eating disorder then, I just had strong body image issues, which is something I think quite common at this age, because as a, right, as a woman, yeah. I just remember my hips got wider, mm. and I randomly stopped recognizing my body, and uh, so at 15 I remember becoming very aware of um, how my body looks, and it brought me a lot of discomfort, I started therapy at the age of... 17, I think. Around uh, that? Was it therapy around that uh, topic or not specifically? It, it was uh, partially, mm. yes. Mm. Uh, I think it was just overall a turbulent period for me. Um, it, it was just uh, entering adolescence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was kind of targeted at everything. But the reason why I decided to do therapy was because those body image issues were getting so strong that... I just felt miserable, and mm. I didn't understand myself and my body. Um, so, sorry, I'm interrupting yeah. you, but so what did you think you were? You were too big, or too? What was going through your mind? I, f I think it was yeah, it was being too big uh, because you know when you're younger, you're kind of a stick, and then uh, not uh, everyone though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Well, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm genetically yeah. quite small. Yeah. Uh, so when I was a child, I was small, and then when my uh, when hormones started kicking in, as I said, like my hips got larger, and and it yeah. So I guess it was uh, uh, always m my my issues always revolved around being too big. I mm. always felt like I was too big, mm. um, but I didn't actually start engaging in disordered eating until I was nineteen. Uh, and that's when things started going downhill. But I had a good long four years foreplay to that of body image issues. Yeah, yeah. So you, your eating your your eating habits changed. You started uh, you being you are in con in some kind of control or trying trying to because I know how difficult it can be. Yeah. Find some kind of control on. Uh... I just uh, stopped being in an incredibly abusive relationship and I moved countries uh, and I came to England. And uh, I was at first very happy because I felt very liberated to be out of uh, this horrible place I was in. Mm -hmm. uh, and it took, because I moved to England, I think when I was 18, and it started, so so the first year I was kind of still enjoying the freedom yeah, yeah, of yeah. not being abused. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then once the dust settled, around half a year later, I started processing what happened for the last three years. It was also a very long relationship, which, by the way, is also common uh, in abusive relationships. is very hard to leave, uh, and it adds another layer of anger at yourself from you think, perspective of time. I'm not sure about that. I'm just asking you, do you think it's common because if you don't have a good... Uh, image about yourself you give more freedom to the other person to somehow abuse you verbally or I maybe even physically i don't know yeah. but do you think that if you were more confident you wouldn't let someone treat you the way uh, he or she did treat you i think there is a chance that if, if i had a very strong idea of myself and my worth it wouldn't go this way but i'm also quite aware how strong uh, those 
um, abusive mechanisms can even, you know, reverse it. So maybe I could have been an incredibly confident girl, but, you know, people can get in your head. Of course. Oh, no, so, I know, I know, no, I know. But, I know. but yeah. I want, uh, but I wonder, yeah, if, if that would, if, if I would be, if I was stronger, could I have resisted it more? Mm. Um, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, it's but something it's, which is unusual, in fact. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's, but it's also scary that uh, you can be an incredibly confident person, know who you are. Normally, you don't let uh, you know people fuck with you. And but then, uh, it, but then it happens. Yeah, yeah, no, I happens. know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, very often we think it couldn't be me. So I started processing all of this, and um, what do you, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, what do you mean by processing? Like. So, yeah, processing. I think you're right. It wasn't even processing. I was just thinking about it. Yeah. For as soon as I left this relationship, I completely pushed it out of my head and just absolutely didn't think about it. I think it was just also a defense mechanism from my brain. Yeah. Uh, but after around six months to a year after the breakup, I just started getting all the flashbacks, memories, and I really tried to understand it. Um, why? Like, why would you ever do this to a person you supposedly love? Why would you do it to a person you don't love? Why would you ever treat any human like this? Mm-hmm. A physical violence and the mental violence in relationships is something I think I, I will never understand. Um, but uh, it, uh, you know, it, 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 beca- it, it became present mm-hmm. in my thoughts, yeah, yeah, yeah. those experiences. And... And yeah, and I think. Uh, let me think. Was there some kind of was, was there some kind of guilt as well, which is not uncommon. For some reason, we tend to excuse the the, the person who's oh, abusing us and absolutely. and thinking maybe I'm you know I wasn't good enough or I was yeah. I was you think I there think was some guilt. My, my guilt. I mean, definitely the the person that I was in a relationship with had a very like troubled past. Mm. So I think my. A uh, thought process was always uh, feeling bad for him, not for oh, myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had like a what is it? Is it a Stockholm syndrome? It can be yes, it can be just yeah, some bit. kind of. Stockholm I felt syndrome very makes, bad for him. Yeah. For it's also your empathy, I think. It's because you, you genuinely because I I knew you a bit and and you're someone who cares for others and, yeah. and, and so it's you know you're more prompt prompt or you're more tempted yeah. to uh, to. Um, to try to understand them yeah. and try to see if you can help them and uh, yeah. and you can't in fact when people are like that you can't well they can you know maybe a proper therapy can help them at some point but that's not what something you can do yeah absolutely uh, I think it was a lot of guilt um, and shame just shame, shame for yeah. staying in it you know I was like what the fuck was I doing yeah. like why would you ever yeah, I was like, what was wrong with me? Why wasn't I strong enough to just walk away? Why mm. did I let the, the same behaviors repeat for three years? You know, that that's something I'm dealing until today. Uh, I'm definitely, with time, more and more compassionate to myself about mm. this. But I definitely still have a strong voice in my head that is upset at me for letting it happen to yeah, me, yeah, yeah. you know? So so at first, you, you, you kind of, when you moved, you kind of, you didn't want to think about it. You kind of yeah. And then you would you started trying to make sense of it because yes. You, yeah. Then yeah. Then with time, I started to, to, you know, inevitably. I mean, inevitably, those thoughts started coming to me. I could push them out for a while, but uh, mm. they were coming back yeah. uh, in all shapes or forms, tormenting me in my sleep and. 
Um, when you say things like that, you always say you always laugh when you say it. It's like, <laughs> like I think I have a very big distance to all of those experiences, and yeah. and I like I'm a I like to laugh for pain for yeah. sure. It's yeah. a big coping mechanism that. No, it's, I, I'm not making fun of you, but of course, when I say that, but I, I just noticed it twice yeah. actually, and before as well. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I, from what I've heard from you, at first you were somehow repressing. Yes. Uh, things and then you started thinking about it more and 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 then yeah. that's when the, the eating disorders started. kicked in yeah, yeah. Uh, and at first I was uh, it, it wasn't very conscious um, I just started I started eating less but without really conscious effort to uh, why did you eat less because you wanted to to lose weight no no it was a completely uh, like it was very i i didn't make any f i didn't have any f eating disorder thoughts okay. at first okay. yeah. you know it yeah. was just i just stopped eating uh, mm. but uh, i didn't have any thoughts around it uh, really and but uh, then quite quickly the thoughts came and yes and i would say like a full-blown eating disorder started um, but it was interesting because it um, it replaced for me those thoughts, uh, those thoughts of what I went through in that uh, relationship. So it became this really beautiful buffer for me. It gave me so much comfort. Uh, I just uh, totally focused on... I mean, you know, the way it works is you have this horrible voice in your head mm. uh, that uh, tells you things about yourself. And my head was so full of these voices that at least I didn't think yeah, yeah. <laughs> of that relationship. No, I, I I, I, it's something I, I ask my clients quite often. I say, you know, because they, it's not unusual for them, because I remember my own experience, to think about uh, how overweight they are, if that's what they're, you know, what they're seeing before because they want to lose weight. And they think about it from the minute they wake up until the minute they fall asleep. And as I sometimes say to when I'm in an interview or something, even when they wake up during the middle of the night because they have to go to the loo, again, they will uh, put their hand on their tummy or their hips or their legs. And so it's like nonstop. It's there in their system nonstop. And I tell them, you know, what will you do when you won't be bothered, worried about what this? What are you going to do about this with, free time? Yeah, this free time and this space in your mind that you're going to mm. have, you know? Yeah. And I think it's... That's when it's and it's important to address that because otherwise it's it's freak you know it can start freaking out thinking uh, uh, and they will start worrying about something else. I don't want them to start worrying about something else just to replace uh, exactly. the worries the worries they had about their uh, their body image and, and their weight and uh, but they find ways. We always find ways. Yes. And some people became creative. Some became people became. Uh, change career some became people were more involved in i don't know like a book club or and they were they, they became passionate about something else passionate or or you don't have to be passionate i guess but they become involved into something else mm -hmm. and um and that's such a great freedom and did you did you experience that at some point um interesting question the, the like once the thoughts were gone yeah I actually don't think, I would like to say that I consider myself in recovery for two years now, mm -hmm. 
but also I hold, hold this word in a very high regard and I don't feel like right now, for instance, I deserve a title of being in recovery. I went for a breakup and I feel like I have relapsed massively. So it's quite hard for me to think now about this because for me, I feel like I'm quite actively in it. In it? In, in, in my eating disorder, eating disorder right now, so. yeah. So what does it, if you don't mind sharing that, what does it look like? Like you. Right now, I, I, I'm just struggling with food intake. Mm. Um because that that's what uh, that's the wiring in my brain that I have and I think a lot of people with eating disorders have that is so bloody hard to get rid of is it's very hard it's a, yeah but it's whenever I do I feel like I've done something wrong in my life whenever I feel like being mean to myself that's when it comes back mm. and it says you don't deserve food you don't get to eat mm. um, so it's punishing thing you're like yes. punishing yourself by not eating yes it's yeah. a huge uh, punishment system mm. Absolutely. Uh, and it, and somehow um, when you don't eat, uh, you feel like... Hmm, I don't know what I want to say here. Okay, moving on. So, uh, no, so when you don't eat, you feel, you feel like you're... Um, is it like the same mechanism that you, you, you talked about with your, this relationship you were in, this three years relationship? Is when you don't eat, you you're just focusing on this, and you're not thinking too much about yeah, yeah. being good to yourself and just um, yeah. or you know instead of processing a breakup and just mm. accepting it, I'm kind of trying to, to uh, silence it, it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing is that if, sorry, if mm-hmm. I'm interrupting you again, I do that a lot. <laughs> is that now you know, even though you're you're still somehow into it you know what's going on. Whereas probably before you didn't really know. Yes, so absolutely. now you know, okay, this is me, this is my pattern, this is what I this is how I tend to react. It doesn't make it easier, but somehow you know there is a way out. Whereas maybe before, like when I was overweight, I had no way out in my mind. Yes, uh, now uh, as much as I feel uh, like I have relapsed, my goal is recovery. Mm-hmm. At first, the first years of my disorder, there was no concept of that at all because you, yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to let go of this uh, coping mechanism that yeah. disordered eating mm-hmm. uh, was. And right now I'm very ready to let go of it. Sometimes involuntarily it comes back, uh, but I very much know what's my goal and how I want to be. Um, so as much as it's a bit scary when it comes back, it's definitely, I feel much more in control Mm -hmm. of it. I kind of consciously engage in those behaviors. I let myself do it, which is something I need to work on Mm. because it's just easier. It's easier for me to not eat and punish myself at the gym than to sit with my emotions and think about heartbreak and, uh, any things and that come with it. Like it's easier for me to sometimes see myself uh, or being tempted to, to eat, although I'm not hungry, and overeat, and thinking, oh, what's going on? And not judging it, but thinking, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to... F- uh, nobody, nobody can tell me that I have to stop. It's just up to me. But I'm, why am I doing this? And, and, and why does it feel good when I'm doing it? Because it can still feel good. So sometimes I'm not... Uh, hungry but uh, I love for example licorice I love licorice (laughs) 
And but then a lo loving loving licorice doesn't mean you have to empty like two bags of licorice, you know. So at some point you don't love the licorice itself; it's just the, the the action of eating something and somehow numbing yourself. Not yeah. you know. And so I I see myself doing it. Well, now in fact I I see myself being tempted to do it, but I don't do it or I don't go. I don't eat as much as I used to, and um, and then I I think. I have some kind of kindness for myself or empathy mm -hmm. towards myself. I think, hey, Philip, what's what's going on? Why are you eating like this? And then I, I don't I don't try to analyze it because I tend to analyze things way too much. Mm -hmm. I try to um, to listen to um, how I'm feeling and and see where it comes from without analyzing. So it's a thin line between analyzing and just being in touch with your emotions and I think. Maybe you're you're someone like that who tends to analyze things too much, mm -hmm. and not always uh, being in touch with how you're feeling. And uh, yeah, it's a thin line. And that's what I encourage many of my clients to do: is to be more in touch with uh, their emotions, so that you understand what's going on. Yes. And you just just you're not just judging it afterwards. Yes. And, uh, But uh, what you said about. Um, Eating the licorice is uh, why I said I hold the word recovery in like a high regard because it's just such it's a hard work. It's a yeah. every oh, yeah, day. Yes, yeah. It's a conscious yeah. effort you need mm. to make to not engage in uh, certain behaviors that are usual for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, yeah, I think I'm maybe not still at a point where I always manage to no be in touch with myself enough yeah. or as free to eat uh, intuitively or not, yeah, yeah. Con yeah spontaneously spontaneously yeah. it's a difficult word <laughs> yeah but yeah it really but, comes and goes uh, but food is there a lot I mean food is everywhere like of course obviously we have to eat uh, mm -hmm. a few times a day and uh, food is there uh, on our social media is there it's there it's everywhere mm -hmm. and it's like you know it's a Drugs and alcohol is a bit different, yeah. but food we have to eat. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean, that's I mean? why eating disorders are so tricky because it's not really a stimulus you can avoid. I was, when I was, um, yeah, in the depths of it, I was like, I wish like food didn't exist. I wish I could, or I could like, you know, like an alcoholic, just throw out all the food in the house. Mm. Well, in this case, that would work a little bit different, but you know, that type of system where I can just completely get rid of this thing from my life, but I couldn't. Yeah. Um, because as you're saying, it is everywhere. Uh, and it's exactly the same with overeating, uh, right? Uh, it's everywhere and, uh, and you also need to engage in it. You need to eat. But how do I control myself, right? To not overeat. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 you need to have incredible self-control. Self-control or just... Well, that's what I work on mainly. Self-control or just being intuitive and thinking. It's not... Because control is... I don't believe that much in control because mm -hmm. that's where eating disorders tend to start and it's when we try to control things. I believe that... Uh, Um, our bodies uh, are sending us some signals saying, hey, thank you, I've had enough. You, you, know, yeah. you can stop now. And, yeah. uh, well, maybe it's my eating disorder speaking. You can know, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I maybe, maybe it is. I think it's more about uh, being aware of what's going on 
And so, for example, I can sometimes I would uh, not so long ago I was invited at uh, someone's place and and they had like all kind of nuts and stuff on on the on the table and I was quite bored. In fact, I didn't like the conversations these people were having. They were nice people, but I was I was bored, and I was I saw myself being tempted and I did it. I started eating some. Oh, I'll start with the wasabi nuts and then I'll go to this with pick. Pecan nuts, or I don't know how you call them, yeah, <laughs> or how they call them because you're not English either. <laughs> but uh, and I said, okay, no, I'm not going to do that. So uh, I, I stood up and I started engaging more with the people who were there, and um, and then I left quite early because I said, well, if I'm bored, there's no reason why I should stay here. And but that would be a typical uh, moment for me where I could be tempted to just stay there and have some food and have this conversation with myself. I'm going to try this one, gonna, and then thinking. That's the first part of it, of the conversation. The next part is, oh, I should stop now. I just have one more of this. And I should. So it's this dialogue with ourselves. That's why we mention loneliness, because in that moment, you, you just it's just you and this bowl of wasabi nuts or pecan nuts or whatever. It's just you and that food. And uh, yes, I'd like it, but no, I shouldn't. It's like, and it's constant. Yeah, absolutely. It's a difficult one to... Uh, but then, yeah, if you've got this... If you know yourself, and, that's, and now you do know yourself, that doesn't mean things are always easy. And like you, and it was you know, nice of you to share that. You know, sometimes you still struggle with it, but you know what's going on, and 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 you you don't judge yourself. I hope as uh, you know in the way you you used to, and you're just thinking. I like this idea of that's recovery. In fact, in recovery, it means you're just trying to recover from something. You're just trying to get better, and you just learn. Yeah. The, you know how to change the, the the pattern of things yes i think i'm wary about using the word recovery because i don't want to get lazy with it <laughs> what so do you mean yeah. so i mean like right now i'm going through a tough time and mm. and i'm and it makes it easier for me to work on it if i really raise all the red flags and i'm like you're yeah, not I in understand. recovery right yeah. now you're not doing good you're relapsing let's like mm. really but then again it doesn't really translate onto action but i think with time it will um well you're still functioning like really well you're a student doing like uh, a master master's degree in one year did you say? yeah i do not recommend doing that <laughs> so most people do it in two years but that's yeah. what i've learned and you're doing it in one year so and, and you're doing well and then when we talked last time you were mentioning the, that you'd like to apply for um for uh, the PhD, yeah. you'd like to start a PhD? Yeah, we'll see. It's a, it's a tricky one in London. There's a, like a 5% acceptance rate, uh, but I'll be battling for a spot. You will, you will, and maybe you won't get it the first time, or maybe yeah. you will, or maybe in the meantime you will you will start working on something different. But yeah, you, so you, you're doing quite well, in fact. Well, thank you. No, I'm not trying to. I'm no, not, it's, it's nice of, to hear because, no, because you know, said, you're harsh on yourself. I don't yeah, know. It's, I know, I know. It and means then, a lot when someone sees and says that. You know? And you've got friends and you've got a nice... Yeah, because coincidentally, I've met your parents. You've got, you know, you've got the this best system, parents in the world. The best parents in the world. Yes. And uh, no, mine, I think, were better. But anyway. ah, okay, well, we can discuss <laughs> this later. But I mean, that's, you know, so yeah, there is... Because sometimes when we're into our thing, we can... Uh, kind of uh, see everything in kind of a dark, like everything is dark, everything is difficult, yeah. and it is. Some things are really difficult. Yeah. So it's not about you know not acknowledging that, 
but you 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 have you know you've got your social life you've got your your life as a student and you've got yeah. your family and and uh, yeah the more functional you are i mean i don't want to generalize i should speak about myself but i found it that the more functional i am in the real world the the more the more functional you are in the real world, the more you are rooted in the reality, the more you see, for instance, people eating normally. And it can kind of work both ways, uh, but I did find it helpful mm -hmm. uh, because I do have a tendency to spend a lot of time on my own. I'm, uh, I love being home uh, and staying home, uh, especially throughout COVID, showed me that is a huge vehicle for... Um, for for those disordered behaviors because you know you're just alone uh, no one yeah, sees yeah, you yeah. and uh, you know you can do whatever you want and your eating disorder is so happy you don't have to hide. jumping up and down <laughs> yeah, all the yeah. time and screaming in your head yeah. um, and how do you feel about your body image now right now so you, well, you, because it's two different things I mean they, yeah. they can be related they're not always they're often related, but some 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 people have you know issues with their body image, which is not always about being overweight. By the way, mm -hmm. it can be different kind of. I'm too short. I'm too like this. I'm, yeah, you know, it can be so many different. And I want to say here that it's a big issue for men as well, which absolutely we, you know, and, and men struggling with uh, like with their muscle mass. Is that what you call it? Yeah, I I see this so much, and and in my guy friends, I know a lot of them are insecure about are they muscular enough and. And I just find it so sad that really those certain standards, body standards that are perpetuated by media have really reached not only just women, just everyone is struggling. Men think they're not muscular enough. Women think they're not womanly enough in their shape. Uh, it's, it's really everywhere in the society. And that's what I also hoped uh, our group uh, can bring in is really all sorts of people. We, we are not trying to close the group to just people with eating disorders anyone that is struggling with how they see their body um you know is very welcome to come and speak with us and you know you don't have to be you don't have to engage in any disordered eating to you know fit our group no, and you can be also someone you can be let's say a parent or a friend of someone exactly. you know is dealing with these things and and maybe by hearing uh, what others are, you know, the experience of, of others, you can think, oh, okay, that's what my daughter or my son mm -hmm. or my best friend uh, is, is going through. I had no idea. I just thought he or she was being uh, difficult or picky with food or this or that. But in fact, it is, it can, uh, you know, they can really see the depths of it. It can be, yeah. you know. And I mean, for me, what I found the most... The most debilitating about this, this, this eating disorder is uh, at times I felt like this has to be the worst mental illness because I felt like, okay, I couldn't eat. On top of it, I have this... Sorry, I'm swearing all the time. No, it's fine. It's I have fine. this uh, voice in my head, uh, so I feel like I'm literally at times schizophrenic. Mm. Uh, I'm incredibly depressed from lack of nutrition and uh, all these issues yeah. with um, self-esteem. Uh, and I honestly just felt like the whole world was closing in on me. Uh, and I felt like there was no way out. Um, because also, be 
also because of how strongly wired this system is in yeah, your head, yeah. it, it really becomes a part of you mm. and you identify yourself with it, um, which I think is a big part of recovery is rediscovering your real self and who I am. That's true um, therapy, I guess. Yes. Yeah. My recovery... Uh, path started with therapy mm-hmm. um and i've done that for quite a for a couple of years but i didn't really think like it was bringing much also you know with therapy you need to be patient and i'm a huge believer in therapy i think everyone should uh, have a space where they can without judgment speak about anything they want mm-hmm. um but yeah, when it came to, so, so I was, uh, with my therapy, I was understanding where I was coming from, where this, uh, where these issues were coming from. Yeah. But you just felt like it wasn't... Uh... But it wasn't affecting my actions. And, I, and ah, so okay. I came to I a point where I was, uh, I could write a doctorate about, uh, you know, my eating disorder. Well, maybe that's disorder. what you'll do at some point. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could, I really understood everything, but it had absolutely zero translation onto my behaviors. Mm. Uh, so it uh, created even more agony in me because I understood where I'm coming from. I understood my triggers. I understood... Everything and I still chose. I was still like not strong enough to not engage in those behaviors, yeah. and then the, and that then ter- therefore perpetuated more shame and guilt and anger. And it, it's mm. it was it's a long journey. Yeah. <laughs> and then then you had you did a different kind of th- or maybe you don't want to um, talk about that. You had a different no, kind of therapy. Uh, yeah, no, I stayed with the same therapy. I went to a clinic. I went to an mm. eating disorder clinic in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed there not long enough. Uh, I stayed there a month. I think you should do three months from my experience. Now, I feel like if I stayed three months, that could have been great. Because mm. the first month, you're learning how to act around food and table without allowing... Uh, your thoughts to get too involved in how you cut your food and what yeah. spoon you're using mm-hmm. um, and you're only you know scratching the surface but as we know uh, eating disorders come from all these other deeply rooted issues and I think it's at least like a three month job of sitting in a clinic and really yeah. just going yeah. over this um, and yeah it, it kind of helped kind of um yeah i i definitely my my body improved i my body weight improved and um and i learned even more why i'm doing this mm-hmm. yeah um, it's a process i guess yeah. Yeah. but i would say honestly it was uh, 2023 that uh, i just last year i actually felt a difference i actually mm. felt a certain weight lifted off me um, so it's funny to use that expression, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's right. It's right. I it mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you know, it takes a while, but I really encourage everyone to to yeah work on it because yeah. with time, it just really gets worse and worse. Those behaviors are really getting reinforced. Oh, yeah, it's, it's with me. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying. To it's say. about it's and when and. And then when you uh, when you get better, I think it's I think somehow when you're like that, it's part of your persona somewhere. By that I mean, for example, my friends or, or family they were seeing me uh, 
as someone who loved food, who was a jolly person. So that's how some, you know, very often anyway, it's changing now a bit. When someone is overweight and eats a lot, you think, oh, he loves food, he loves life, he's, he's jolly. I mean, I hate that word, but, I, I, but anyway. But um, so when I, after, when I you know, started eating much less, eating, you know, what, what, I, what I needed, uh, and I was invited somewhere, people would say, oh, what's wrong with you? You're not, you know, you're not, uh, you're not eating much, and, and uh, are you depressed? Or you say, no, I'm really well, I'm fine, but I've had enough. Because, and I couldn't blame them for that, it was part of my persona. I was talking about, with, uh, that, uh, those days I had restaurants, so, you know, I was a restaurateur in Belgium, like, so uh, food was like a lot into, in, into my life and into my in social life and professional life. And um, yeah, so I think it's the persona, the image we, we, we build around ourselves uh, is difficult to change yeah. because it, um, well, every change is difficult, I guess. But here in this case, like, do we lose some friends along the way? Because they were friends, they're not bad people, they're not bad friends, but... They did fit a certain scenario, mm -hmm. but now that, you know, when someone changes, you know, as, are these friends still the people that are good for me? Yeah, I guess this is something people very much who are recovering from addiction uh, deal with, oh, yeah. right? You're right, yeah. As uh, it's in the end, who you surround yourself with has an incredible imprint on you. And it doesn't necessarily mean someone is bad, but no. there are just people who serve you and people who don't. So I really enjoyed this uh this conversation, I'm looking forward to, uh, we're going to meet quite often now, I guess, um, to speak about this project. And uh, I love the idea of um, being able to provide that space and uh, for, for anyone who's, you know, dealing with, uh, with uh, their body image, with body image issues. And uh, again, like we said, it's not, a, it's not a therapy, it's not, it's free, but it's not it's therapy, it's just a safe space for people to listen to others who are dealing with things which maybe will resonate with their own story. Because not two stories are exactly the same. You know, we all have a different story. But, um, and it will be free. And I love that idea because I think that, and I mean, same for me, therapy, um, because I'm a therapist and I'm, I live in London, so I need to make some kind of a living. But therapy is expensive. Yeah. And um, so even if it's not therapy, it can be maybe start for some people to think okay so I've, there are many other people like me yeah. struggling and uh, you know how can i how can i get better yes absolutely is there anything else you wanted to say well we're whispering right now <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to say no we'll talk again anyways i think i'm, I'm i don't think i'm sure we will have uh, more to um, it was our first episode together but yeah. i would really like it if you would come back and uh, on the podcast and, and we talk about about other things related to this thank yes. you very much Justina thank you Philippa